0: Thank you, Pierre. Pinky poos. DEI. I had to look up DEI. You know what DEI is like? Is is that something that everybody knows and and I'm not hearing
1: DEI that much? Diversity. Somebody's saying it over there. Equity and inclusion. Equity and inclusion. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Amy LaCosick with the answers over there. All the answers. Good morning. Good morning. Our director of tourism. I know that's not the official title, but we're going to go with that here. It says what you do. And uh, welcome back. This song is for
1: you, by the way.
2: Very nice. She
1: was
0: at the uh, Sting concert in Fort Lauderdale.
1: The first time we've ever used this song on Free For All Friday.
2: Yep.
0: All right. In your honor. So... uh... (laughs) Anyway, you say uh, for 70-some years old, Sting was looking pretty hot, huh?
2: Sounded great. Sounded great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Dave uh, Sullivan, our uh, county commissioner in the studio. Good morning. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Dave. Glad to be here.
0: And not to be rude to our special guest all the way from Illinois, uh, Dr. Sheldon Jacobson, Ph.D. Good morning, Sheldon. Good morning. Nice to be
4: with you this morning.
0: Yeah, it's great to uh, have you with us here and I thought, uh, you know, I was looking at because all we're hearing about is AI this week, the big meeting in Washington with Zuckerberg and all these guys and and so I thought, you know, let's have somebody that can kind of present it in a way and have a conversation that we just the uh, regular people in the world can wrap our heads around AI and uh, so and also I've got to say that um, that you your credentials are just incredible. Um, for, and I have your whole resume posted on our WNZF Facebook page. But um, I wanted to ask you, should people that go through the TSA pre-check, do they owe you some gratitude for that
4: well, certainly pre-check is is the shining star of the transportation security administration it gets you through the security uh, system much quicker more efficiently and it makes the system safer for all it is a win-win for all i've been advocating that it be given for free to anybody who wants it and i'm hoping that the tsa will eventually come to their census and actually implement that but at this point you do have to pay for the privilege but were you, were you part of developing that Yes, yes. We had presented the idea back in 2003, uh, a risk-based system, and we did the technical work, which eventually led to, in 2011, the launch of PreCheck. So, yes, uh, our research group was uh, an integral part of that uh, that transformation of aviation security.
0: Well, your contributions um, to our society here are just really just incredible, all the different things you do. Just so people know, I'm going to go quickly over this, and then we'll get to the AI part. But Uh, You're a professor of computer science, professor of electrical and computer engineering, professor of industrial enterprise systems engineering, uh, professor of mathematics um, and statistics and uh, algorithms you develop for all different kinds of things. And uh, what a fascinating
4: what a fascinating life you've had. It's a lot of fun, and the nice thing is we try and make the world a better place for everybody. So hopefully we've achieved some of that.
0: Okay, and just so everybody knows that you're uh, the founder, professor of computer science and Department of uh, Computer Science at the University of Illinois in Urbana, Illinois. So anyway, we're glad to have you. Oh, our our county commissioner. You missed
3: one question. What was that? Is he a computer or is he really there? (laughs)
0: Mm. it's
1: always a question these days
0: well i will will (laughs) attest that uh, i know he's a real guy here sheldon all right so um we've been hearing about this whole ai thing what is it what's your take on it kind of an overview and a few short breaths tell us and um and then we'll talk about how we as average people should frame it in our mind with artificial intelligence so please take it away we're listening to you sheldon jacobson
4: Well, AI is a technological transformation which is literally already affecting everybody's life Chat GPT, which became much more visible over the last year, has made people more aware of the capability. But we have had AI in our society for several years now. It's just that it was mostly invisible because it makes things more efficient, it makes systems operate better, and it also gives people tools people in, uh, who are in construction, for example, people in transportation, people in medicine tools that make it better for them to do their jobs and most people haven't even been aware of it. Now it's becoming more visible, and with all good things, there's also the potential for more nefarious actions. And this is, of course, what we're seeing with deepfakes in political races. So it's a very, it, it, the terrain is enormous, and trying to grasp it and get your hands around it is futile. But to embrace it as an opportunity for everyone to really have better opportunities in their life is something that we should really take very seriously. So the, um,
0: you know, and we're hearing about union strikes now, of course, the uh, actors in, uh, uh, you know, out in California, well, it's not just California, it's everywhere, that uh, they're, they went on strike and AI was part of their whole fear. How would AI um, make their jobs insecure in the entertainment business?
4: Well, AI has the capability to produce, you know, things that will entertain it can supplement what we see in movies it's already been going on for years but people haven't really taken it that seriously or noticed it now of course it has the potential to replace people's jobs and this is when people get nervous for right you know for good reason what people miss though is that there are places for example air traffic control that we have a shortage of air traffic controllers AI can help make the system safer and we haven't recognized that although people will lose their jobs other people are going going to gain them because the key driver, the oil in the AI engine is data. And we just can't simply Wave a magic wand and data appears. It requires people to collect it. Now, it revolves in more education and more technological training for people to do that, not at the level maybe of creating AI, but certainly supporting it. So, we have a revolution in work right now in this country, and we have to think of it very holistically of the full scale of benefits. Some people will lose their jobs, but others are going to gain it too. And we have to look at it completely over the entire society and our economy. Is AI
0: going to get blamed for a lot of things that it shouldn't maybe with the upcoming elections and how does that all play into politics and what's real and how are we supposed to know and what's your take on that?
4: Well, certainly AI is a great capability, but just because we have the capability doesn't mean that it will have the desired effect. One of the good things is that people now know that deepfakes are possible. AI can produce audios, videos of people saying things that they never said, doing things they never did. And as a result of that, people will start to have a certain suspicion of, gee, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't fit the personality of Ron DeSantis, for example. It doesn't fit the personality of Joe Biden. It doesn't fit the personality of the person who is presenting some voice, some idea, because AI can make it look so real that it, it's very hard to detect. But we have to look at the substance rather than the style to determine, really, if it is real.
0: Does a human being have that ability to uh to judge whether this is real or not and and it's almost like why should we have to when you know we just want what we see in here to be the truth
4: oh, that's an ideal and the problem is ideals do not, only, not, do not always become reality. We've been dealing with this with social media for many, many years, where someone will post something. Uh, you in journalism and reporting uh, always had reliable sources, but anybody can go on Facebook or Twitter and put something out and... Other people think, wow, that must have happened. I think we've become sensitized to the fact that not everything that we see or read or hear is real anymore, and AI, with that potential capability, elevates that to yet another level.
0: So what evil minds are like, uh, you know, licking their chops on this, saying, oh my god, my uh, my job as a fraudster has just become a dream come true, and you know how can i rip people off for money and influence things and that what what industries in uh, in right now that are out there are looking at this is a dream come true for them
4: well the, the bad actors exist in all industries and all places cybersecurity is a tremendous threat and people can use ai to misrepresent to fool people, and ultimately, at the end of the day, people have to own it. They have to be responsible for what is being presented to them. If they're going to be taken advantage of and lose money or other resources, ultimately, they have to make decisions. We can protect some, but we can't protect all. Ultimately, people have to be responsible, and this is the new world. This is the new world with AI. Sheldon, what what, um,
0: job um, professions are most threatened with job losses in um, artificial intelligence?
4: Well, any job that basically has a repetitive task that does not require significant reasoning could basically be, I wouldn't say replaced completely, but certainly its impact can be attenuated. For example, accounting is a great example, where there's a lot of routine operations that go into it. There is some reasoning, but a lot of the routine part can be replaced by AI systems, the same applies, for example, when you think of the law profession where you're, you're basically compiling notes. You can have templates which AI can interpret the information and then put down what was said. There's no reasoning involved. It's simply reporting situations like that are very vulnerable. But then on the other hand, to create those AI systems requires data. And where are we going to get that data? The very people who are producing it right now in terms of the reporting, the accounting, they may be needed to do that. So it's going to be a shifting as opposed to a replacement model. Some will be lost, but others will be gained.
0: Should we look at it as... Um, like when with the invention of the airplane, when uh, you know, here's the Wright brothers, and then if they could see that, oh my God, like a million people a day flying at 600 miles an hour at 38,000 feet, and if if you look at the, you know, was it the flight whatever the app is where it shows all the planes in the air at one time, how scary that would have been to somebody back in the early days of flight. Would Should we kind of frame it like that or even like cars when the Model T first became where everybody could have a car and there was traffic jams before they even invented traffic lights and things and look at it, what's happening now. We're driving 90 miles an hour on the interstate. 90? All right. Who's driving 90? <laughs> all right. Here we go. All right. Just, <laughs> um, so should we kind of look at it like that? This is kind of the beginning of a new era that um, we shouldn't be that scared of
4: it. Well, I think the automobile uh, metaphor is exactly the right one, because automobiles basically replaced horses. And because of that, people thought, oh, what are we going to do with all these horses? Well, the benefit of the automobiles is that all of the problems associated with horses went away. The new problems were created. And this is exactly what we're seeing with AI. It is solving some problems. It's creating new ones. And like all things in society and our economy, we adapt. And if we don't adapt, ultimately, we will be left behind. This this is a new world. We're we're not going to be able to stop it. All of the committees, all of the hearings that are going on in Washington uh, are great and important and useful because information will come out of it. But at the end of the day, the, the the foot is on the pedal, and the and we are speeding along at near light speed because we have to.
0: Brian McMillan, our publisher of the Palm Coast Observer, has a question for you, Sheldon.
1: Yeah, so I uh, sure. I, I saw a news story recently where they they were predicting AI was going to be to lead to extinction of humanity. You know, there's a lot of real. They seem to be very scared. Like you said, all these hearings, they want to put the reins on. Um, But why, why do some people think that AI is really going to be the, you know, the, the doom of, of, of all of us?
4: Well, the challenge of predicting the future is it hasn't happened yet, and just because people <laughs> predict it doesn't mean it happens. Uh, think about how we went through COVID, all of the gloom and doom predictions, and I don't want to minimize the impact of it because many people's lives were affected and lost because of it and, and that that is a tragedy. At the same time models were predicting, you know, the end of mankind. And literally you'd wait a day and the model would change because data looks in the rearview mirror. It doesn't tell us where we're heading, and nobody can predict the future with great accuracy. Um, In our field, we like to say that all models are wrong, but some are useful. And anybody who makes these predictions as qualified as they may seem, I'd like to know the basis of them and also their track record. And you'll discover that it may not be as reliable as you'd like to believe. Our Commissioner David Sullivan.
3: Right, uh, Sheldon, just a a couple of thoughts. Uh, I think that there's It's possible for us in the United States to maybe keep some control over this. But what about the rest of the world, our enemies? I was in the intelligence business for many, many years uh, in the classified world. So we have things like false flags and and phony intelligence and things like that that can really do some damage in in wartime. So I I think that's as big a a danger as the uh, more commercial uh, out in the open Uh, possibilities for AI.
4: Well, you hit the nail on the head, and I've written about this point that we're not living in an AI vacuum in the United States, that there are other countries, our near peers, China, Russia, every country in the world is making great investments. We're making more than any other country, but collectively, they're making very large investments, and if we put our foot on the brake a little too firmly, they won't, And if they pass us, the threat to our nation is far greater than any internal threats that we will have to our economy or to our our society if we, in fact, uh, proceed. So, uh, great point, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. We have to look at it much more holistically as a world issue, not as an American issue.
1: Brian? So, when you say that the U.S. is putting, you know, investing the most in AI, do you mean, like, collectively because a lot of different agencies are looking at it or because like our government is really investing in it. And if if so, then what exactly are they doing to try to increase AI capability?
4: It's actually, the government does invest quite a bit, but it's it's in industry that the investments are coming. The Googles and the Amazons of the world have a great interest to expand to develop and create new opportunities for AI because there's great commercial value to it. It's plain and simple. The economics is driving it. The federal government does invest in it, certainly through the DOD, very interested in it, the National Science Foundation, the National Institute of Health for Healthcare. All of these things are being made. So collectively, all the money put together in the United States on our terrain, we are making more of an investment than the rest of the world. But the rest of the world is making significant, and I repeat, significant investments. And we can't stop because if they pass us, the threat is too great to our nation.
0: Wow. it's so it's exciting and scary, a mixture of emotions for you, I imagine.
4: Well, I understand that you know being in part of the development and developing these models to improve things, I mean, a lot of the work that we've done on political redistricting, for example, uses AI optimization models. These are all the things that go into trying to make society and the world a better place. Collectively, we're all going to be better for it, but we have to realize that there's going to be some speed bumps.
0: Uh, Musk and Zuckerberg, you know, coming out of their meeting, um they, they thought it was good, and they did say that uh, the government does need to create some guardrails for AI. Um, but can we really do that? And my question was, why can't AI create its own guardrails?
4: Well, guardrails are fine, and principles are great. The challenge is, if we create any kind of what I will call laws, uh, they're unenforceable. How do you enforce them? And the the unfortunate thing is that the people who will follow them are the very people who are not the threats. The people who are the threats will ignore them. And we get into a very dangerous situation. So I understand what's going on in Washington. I appreciate the time being spent because we should discuss it. But at the same time, we have to be realistic and realize this is the reality that we're dealing with. It's a global, not an American issue, and we have to look at the whole world issue and where we fit into that landscape to be effective.
1: Uh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, one quick question. So what do you see? I mean, we're sitting here talking about you know the big global picture, which is fascinating to me, um, and it feels very sci-fi in a, in a way, but what, um, what kind of AI uh, advancements do you think could help things like a local government, for example, to, to, uh, you know, serve the people better. I mean, things like that, like on the very Mm -hmm. local level that would impact people's lives, like in our community.
4: Well, a lot of the work that I've done is focused much more on the global level, so it's difficult for me to be very more specific than that. But what will happen is that as industry develops more AI tools, they will become off-the-shelf products that may benefit the efficiency of your operations, your decision-making, and hopefully, based on work with redistricting, uh, political redistricting, help you design your your commissions and your committees much more effectively, ultimately to serve betterment of others. But let's not lose, lose sight of the fact that AI is still a computer system. And ultimately, at the end of the day, people are making the decisions. And we have to in- ensure that people are empowered appropriately to do that.
0: All right. Sheldon Jacobson, thank you. I'm, I'm curious, what projects are you working on right now um, at the, uh, up, up at the uh, uh, University of Illinois? He could tell you that, but... Is it secret? Okay, come on, just tell <laughs> us, Sheldon. What are, you, what are you working on today? I'm curious. On what's your what's your schedule for today and next week?
4: Well, uh, the three topics that we're working actively on in our research group are redistricting models and algorithms to try and help. Uh, showing a brighter light on the redistricting process in the United States for each state and, and counties and, and the whole country. Uh, the second one is understanding trends in mass killings and how, in fact, we can get a better grasp on that problem. And the third one is so- focuses around aviation security issues. And,
0: uh, okay. The, talk, give me a little more about the um, aviation um, security issues. What, uh, what would that involve?
4: Well, we're looking at issues about how we can, in fact, improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the operations and focusing primarily on how biometrics fits into that equation, into that calculus. Because uh, uh, around 15 years ago, I wrote a paper in 2030, this is what aviation security is going to look like. And we're moving towards that. And the, the real game changer is biometrics. That if we know who you are, you are far less likely to be a threat. In fact, you may not even need physical screening if we can assert with absolute, you know, 100% veracity that you are the person you claim to be and we know who you are. So if we can move towards that, 80% of the people at airports won't even need screening. That's where we're heading to. We're not there yet, by the way, but we're moving in that direction.
0: Well, our tourism director is here, Amy. How would that be for your industry if uh, AI could, um, you know, basically, if you're, it would be like a super TSA pre check sort of a thing, I guess. So That would be huge for tourism, I would think.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been discussed in our industry for a few years now. Um, and a lot of people use it for even itinerary building. Um, so we've seen that. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting how it all plays out.
0: All right, Sheldon. Well, we'll hurry up. Uh, I'm traveling next year, so can you get it done by then? <laughs>
4: uh, it'll take a little longer than that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, uh, thank you so much. I, w- I would love to uh, consider you one of our contributors for uh, some other topics coming up if you would uh, you know, be on our show again
4: happy to do so just feel free to reach out and it'd be a pleasure to join you
0: okay and if people want to find out more about sheldon jacobson phd at the um, university of illinois um you're um we've got on our wnzf facebook page i've got all the information you can you know look and see sheldon and and uh connect and uh do have you written any books or anything
4: no, just research papers and a book chapters, certainly, and tremendous number of public pieces I've uh, written for the Orlando Sentinel, for example. My pieces have appeared in the Miami Herald, so uh, I do write a lot for the public as well.
0: All right, very good. Hey, have a great weekend, and thank you so much. We really appreciate your time, Sheldon. Thank you. All right, Sheldon Jacobson, Doctor Sheldon Jacobson, and uh, one of the authorities in the country and good guy in, uh, on AI wonder if they uh, could build a pedestrian bridge with AI for free. Is that a possibility, Commissioner?
3: I'm, I'm sure they could come up with the design. I'm not so <laughs> sure they could build it. <laughs> All
0: right. You know we're going to be razzing you a little coming up in the next. That's fine. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> right. We'll be right back on Free for All Friday.
2: Want
5: to flex your golf skills but don't have the time for a full 18 holes? head on down to the Palm Harbor Golf Club. You can hit up our driving range with a bucket of balls for a long-distance workout or head over to our putting green to work on your short game. Either way, you're going to get in a great game of golf. For more information or to book a tee time, visit us at palmharborgolfclub.com or give us a call at 386-986-4653. That's 386-986-GOLF.
0: I ain't your mama, but I know she would tell you. Don't drive around on bad tires. If you don't have the money for tires right now, come and see me. We have a drive today, paid tomorrow plan. Don't risk yours and other people's safety. Come and see me. I'm Bob Gordon. And thanks again for voting Quantum Tires number one in Flagler County. Quantum Tires and Auto Repair. You know where we are.
5: At the corner of State Road 11 and the railroad tracks, downtown Banal.
0: Quantum Tires,
5: make your mama proud. So you're ready to list it? We're ready to sell it. This is Sam Perkovich, broker-owner of Parkside Realty Group. Stop by our office in Town Center or call us at 302-0300. Visit us online at
4: Realtygroup.net. A powerful and well-respected law firm in Florida is now in Palm Coast. We've recovered millions and millions of dollars for our clients. I'm Josh Woolsey. Car crash, personal injury,
0: call us first. Offices Jacksonville and now Palm Coast.
2: WoolseyMorcombe.com.
0: 9.34, free for all Friday, I'm David Ayers, Amy Lakasik, we're going left to right here, say good morning, Amy.
2: Good morning, thank you
0: for having me. Our tourism director, county commissioner, David Sullivan. Good
3: morning, Dave, and we're here.
0: Brian McMillan, co-host, hey, good publisher, I like saying that, publisher. It's a fun word to say. The uh, Palm Coast Observer and Orange Beach Observer. Anyway, so uh, Amy, you were down What about, up- what about you? What?
1: what do you mean? You forgot to introduce yourself. I'm David Ayers.
0: just the host. <laughs>
1: I work one day a
0: week. President. I work one day a week for one hour. That's the union I'm in. You know, I was looking at, speaking of the unions, um, I'm thinking like, what are these people thinking? Okay. And, and I get it. The UAW, they, they do need more money and they were offered more money. I don't know what all the specifics were. But in 1979, there was 1,500,000 UAW members. Today, there's 150,000. I mean, what does that tell you about robotics? Because when they show pictures inside the factory, it's like people just kind of standing around and the robots are doing all the work. And um, so I'm, you know, I, I mean, I feel bad for these people, but at the same time, um, you know, where's that going to go? A well, th- uh, 90% drop in need um, or membership. Go well, ahead, th- Dave.
3: Th- think about what we just did for the last half hour, AI. Yeah. That, that's, that's a classic case of as ai improves probably less people it on the production lines
4: yeah
0: well anyway, with the and with the steel workers m- my dad was a tool and die maker in cleveland and always he started it from scratch and always the ua the steel workers union were always on him to you know to go union he never did for 50 60 years he paid his guys um as much or more than the union did, gave him a ham at Christmas and <laughs> showed him appreciation and everything. So there really was no need to do that. So you got to wonder: is the the UAW um, obsolete with the uh, steel workers anymore? Because if the um, you know I don't know, but I mean it's a, a transitional thing going on for sure. I'm not in a union. I
1: think that it's always been. I mean, it, it seems like it's just as much a, a economic um, you know, a class warfare sort of a situation. It's always, it's always been there. Um, that the, 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 the working class is looking at the ownership and saying, why are you getting all this money? And then you're telling us that you can't afford to pay us more. And, yeah. uh, AI happens to be part of the conversation now, but it, there's always been something. And, you know, I think that's really what, what the heart of it is. Um, Mm. so I, I don't know what the answer to that is
0: but no no well here's somebody with all the answers amy lakosik you live in a great world of tourism and fun and you were one of the tourists down in fort lauderdale this week right Yep. did you feel like a tourist when you were down there
2: a little bit yep.
0: I mean, you stayed in the hotel went and saw a concert hit
2: some yep. restaurants and things yep. right I contributed to their local economy
0: and uh saw sting and uh so we're we actually we've been playing sting I can't stop thinking about you in honor of your uh, trip down there. So what about us? Okay, today, I'm looking at, even though I said yesterday, I don't. Really, I did today. What's Okay, this is today's headlines in the News Journal, Daytona Beach News Journal. What's driving the decline in tourism in the area here? And um, Lori Campbell Baker, we all know Lori. She's really been a friend of ours for a long time and in the business here. So there is a drop in tourism in this area. Is it? Is in Flagler County a drop in tourism, or is it just Daytona?
2: Um, It's definitely softened. Um, We're hoping to end the year flat, um, same as we did last year, Um, although we will probably do a little bit better than flat. Um, But yeah, last year was just mind-blowing record numbers across the state. Um, Average daily rate for vacation rentals, hotels, just record-breaking for everybody so um just like with every industry and business uh nothing lasts forever so we'll like i said if we remain flat that that'll be good
1: so it's not as much of a problematic decline but more returning to a little bit more like normal rather than a big spike yeah okay
0: and i know you know and then you look at um the um inflation And, uh, you know, people maxing out their credit card, are they having that last joy vacation and running up on the credit cards? Or how are they paying for their vacations? And um, is that also kind of building to the bursting bubble of a lot of things?
2: Um, I'd say for here in Flagler County, our, what I'll call our luxury market, um, that has not really suffered. It's more the lower to middle class. People stay less nights and spend less when they're here. So that's as far as locally, that's where we're seeing it and feeling it.
0: Are we of value here? I'm, You know, because, you know, whenever I go to Disney, I love people watching when I go to Disney, seeing the agony on parents' face. You know, all it's nothing like the commercials you see. Well, hey, it's the happiest place on earth, and balloons, and the kids are happy. Kids are crying. You know, parents they're like, fighting. parents fight. Yeah, like this, and it's hot as hell, and they're, yeah. you know, um, and it's like, the, I feel bad because these people have probably saved up like $10,000. You think about it, when people come Easily. to Orlando, from uh chicago or detroit or whatever they're and f-
2: definitely feeling it in orlando
0: and fly yeah mm-hmm. I mean, why is orlando feeling it so much Well,
2: there's that mouse there and uh you know
0: is the it, politics playing part of it absolutely especially
2: yeah. for orlando central florida um we don't feel it as much over here but yeah yeah definitely for them they've lost um convention business and it's getting harder to to get long-term business for large conventions so
0: are we? Are, 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 I look at us as an affordable. I'm talking Flagler County as an affordable, very quality vacation destination. Absolutely. Because you could fly into Daytona and bring your family to be all time. You can go to St. Augustine. You can go to things in Daytona. You can buzz over to a, a Disney for a day and come back. Yeah. A lot more affordably than than all that. Um, so is while everybody else is kind of. Mm-hmm. The, the money's being, are there going to be bargain hunters that will say, you know, this Flagler County never heard of it before. This would be a good place to, to go.
2: Yeah, we definitely benefit from, from that. You know, if someone wants to maybe visit St. Augustine for a large portion of their vacation, but maybe can't afford the price point, they start to look but they want to stay still close to the beach. They start looking North and South and price comparison and we kind of will pop up and yeah, we're easily accessible still for them to get to St. Augustine and, and other day trips. We see that a lot.
1: Brian, some people would say fewer visitors. That's great. We don't really want the visitors. (laughs) What, what, what do the, what does tourism do for Flagler County if people kind of see it as a negative light?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a tricky uh, but important balance that we are very try to be very sensitive to because a lot of the businesses um, they rely on us they rely on tourists um, which is important to our economy these are our workers um, the hoteliers uh, they look to us and and to the visitors to to stay in in business and so um, I, I think what a lot of destinations communities try to do is find those visitors that maybe spend more but there's less of them so that is that is ideal we'd um, rather
1: have one rich vacation that's right that's yeah, right that's okay right.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> <And> also- <laughs> that's the secret secret sauce yeah, yeah.
3: also the, that five uh, percent bed tax that we get from visitors mm-hmm. is is very important to us in our economy and doing things uh, for people and visitors and the uh, and the citizens in general know,
1: Can you think of an example off the top of your head? What is that bed tax bought us that we enjoy in Flagler County?
2: Well, we have uh, 20% of our bed tax revenues goes to beach renourishment, maintenance, improvements, repairs. Um, so that's obviously an important part of our community. Um, we also contribute back through capital projects, um, for example, the Palm Coast Southern Recreation Center expansion for their tennis and pickleball. Um, we were able to provide a grant to the city, Palm Coast, for that, um, about $739,000. Um, so, you know, those kinds of um, efforts the, the visitors pay for for our community, our quality of life. We're able to give marketing grants to local organizations, um, the African-American Um, cultural society um the uh, flagler auditorium they've both received ten thousand dollar grants to to promote their their programming so visitors do give back to the community they save us on our annual household taxes approximately uh 400 or so dollars a year to to uh we would have to pay if if the visitors weren't here
0: so um florida is still at top destination regardless of politics and and those kind of things a lot of people don't care some people are they're going oh well hey they love DeSantis let's go to Florida and support it and other people go I hate them let's not go there so there's probably a push off with that but but here um and next week we'll talk about your bridge to the future future that's right and um it's a I mean it's everybody talks about it you know there's been People have had fun with it, with the YouTube things, and put a bear on it, and and people, and so we even, we used it for a stunt on one of our promotions we were doing, and sent the girls out there holding up a banner on it, and, um, but it's $12.5 million, basically, to build the bridge that goes across State Road 100, and the whole purpose of that, from what I understand, is to, like, to help tourism and bring people here.
3: Well... Well, first, it, uh, FDOT started this project in 2009, and uh, the money—the vast majority of the money that went into the bridge—came from state FDOT funds. But remember the first issue, where people were being killed on bicycles on 100. So, security and safety was the first, uh, the fir- always the first reason you do things. Now, as the as we've evolved, the bridge is part of our trail system, connecting. The, the, you know, really, what will be uh, the, nor- the southern part of the county to the northern part of the county? One side of the bridge is county land; the other side is Palm Coast. So it's a good example of connecting the the city uh, and the county and the rest of the you know, you know the whole county uh, for ecotourism and trails, trails and things like that. The bridge itself is is crucial to that future. Of connecting the various trail systems in the county. By the way, these trail systems—it's ecotourism. Amy will talk about where we're going with the uh, with the uh, center that will be in 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 close. But the the bridge itself already connects in uh, as you go north. There's about a one mile brand new trail that connects into the trail that leads from Colbert over to the uh, to the the Bell uh, tier trailhead that's also being built. So it's it's a real connection into the future. And we were talking about tourism and all that. Eco-tourism is free, essentially. And so it is, it will be an appeal to the future. And I guarantee in the future, when people look at that bridge and they'll say, weren't we lucky to get that bridge done when we did? It would cost two or three times more if we tried to do it later. And then land acquisition and all that will be just unheard of. So we're going to be very lucky to have that bridge there. And I know there were some problems with people looking at it, but remember the design was done to look like an A-frame to tie it into the pier and the A-frame at the pier. Now when you, when you do that kind of uh, construction and design, it's difficult then to make sure people can't throw things off the bridge and so they had to add that shielding on the top, which turned out to reflect light because of the angle, but that's been fixed and uh, when you actually get up onto the, the new bridge and see where it leads, uh, it, it really is uh, going to be a great thing. Is the the, c-
0: no, it looks, and I thought, I, I was razzing at lunch the other day. I go, oh, yeah. you, are you the one that chose Battleship Gray because you were in the Navy to paint it? Is that the, the what it's going to be?
3: No, I think we had to do that because of the fact that the, the uh, shielding that was put on the bridge reflected light, and we had to come up with a way. It, it's kind of a brownish. I, I, it, 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 the bridge itself is green, brown. Those are, are good natural Colors and, and that's uh, how we
0: want to keep it like that.
3: Well, I think it's going to be like that, whether we whether we like it or not. That's the way it's going to look.
0: Can I put my logo on it for a thousand dollars? No, no, you, no. Oh, okay. You're not
3: allowed to do that. But I do think we'll have a million some, dollars. We, we will. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that on on F dot uh, well, But I, I, but but I I do think there'll be some kind of logo on there eventually. So
1: th- oh, go ahead, Brian. Well, I just think that from from when you're driving under it. Um, I think, I think I haven't been there yet, but I've seen these pictures and I'm looking forward to going up on, on it, but drive going across the bridge and you're going through the A frame. I think that's the experience that hopefully people will, will see and be, I think it, it looks like it'll be kind of a cool, impressive, you know, little sort of like tunnel to go through. It'll probably be more pleasant than just what we're driving under. Although it doesn't bother me. I think it's a cool thing, and yeah. it, it's going to be one of those landmarks. You right, know, it'll that, be an icon in see. the county.
3: And by the way, look at it at night. If, if, you're, if you're going on 100, the lighting on it makes it really look pretty at night. So uh, it, it is the bridge to the future, and it's a way of connecting the parts of the county with a trail system. And, uh, you know, we're only three miles off 95, uh, the closest point to the ocean on all of Interstate 95, maine to florida so uh and i think amy can talk a little bit about where we're going with uh and then making it more available to
0: mm. people through well the and then the welcome center, center. That, right. that that's pretty cool amy you want yeah. to tell us about the, this that's it's not just the bridge right next to the bridge there's going to be a new welcome center
2: yeah so a little bit um west of the pedestrian bridge uh there's a 23 acre parcel that the county owns um Currently, right now, it's being used by our Public Works and Road and Bridge Department. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of where we're looking to serve as a gateway, not only to the pedestrian bridge, um, but the pedestrian bridge, as Commissioner Sullivan was talking about, is the the connectivity is there. At the other side of the bridge is a 1,000 acres of what will eventually be um, the Bulo Bulo Creek uh, Regional Headwater Park. So um, that also has federal funding right now of 1.5 million and we're in the design and planning of that. And that, that process is going to launch soon where there'll be public input of what type of recreational amenities we would like to see into the park. So those are, that's access and that the public has never had before. So the center will serve as a gateway to all these recreational um, activities and amenities, um, not just their uh, at Bulow Creek and and Lehigh, but also all throughout the county, we'll be able to direct people to this sort of high quality of life that we that we value here in Flagler.
0: So um, you said that safety was the thing because you know people getting hit with bikes and trying to cross the road and all that. What about animals? I mean, is it you know when you see a raccoon smashed on the road, is will raccoons and deer and possums figure out that hey, thank you, we appreciate this bridge?
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they will. We have that bridge uh, that was designed just for animals on ninety-five as you go north. Connects into mm. uh, into one the of park the last up there.
0: one of the last in Florida from the uh, Agricultural Museum to Princess Place. You know, right. Yeah. You
3: know. So. But but I, this was not designed specifically for that. We're not going to have trees along the side and that that kind of thing. But uh, you know the animals will well, the animals will figure it out over over time. No doubt about it. I don't know if there'll be any bears up there. We've had some pictures of those. <laughs> but that's good old AI at at work, and uh, you can do what uh, do whatever you want. But. Uh, uh, I do think it, it's important to understand, and I want to make sure everybody understands. There's already a trail been built because of the with the, with the construction of the bridge that goes north a mile and connects into the Lehi Trail, and then that connects over to the to the center. So that on that new trail that goes north from the bridge, there's bridges along there that are standard bridges that you like, significant bridges through the through the thing. So it's really worth. I, I encourage everybody. Uh, the grand opening will be a good time. That's on the 19th, com- this next Tuesday, at three o'clock. And there's information out on parking and so forth. But the uh, the center, the Echo Center, uh, to uh, that Amy is talking about, there'll be parking there too, uh, which will be important for people. Is this a uh,
0: um, is for uh, you know marketing? Your job, Amy, is to market Flagler County. Come visit here, stay here. Um, trails, ecotourism, all those kind of things are big. Does this bridge um, make your story stronger, better? Oh, absolutely, and just- absolutely.
2: And like Commissioner Solomon said, there's already been a significant investment uh, of federal and state money, $12.5 million. So who better to to get the word out, the messaging to promote it um, than the tourism department that has a marketing budget?
0: So I yeah, imagine you have a database of um, families that like bike riding on trails and things, and because that's a, you know, with the economy tightening up, and that you can inexpensive, you could stay at Hammock Beach Resort, and you know, with the whole with the uh, water park and the beaches and all that, and the nice restaurants, and to have the kids. And some people they fly their bikes out in advance, right? And they mm-hmm. and they have their bicycles, and so you could live, you could do a luxury vacation here in Flagler County for cheap.
2: Yep. Yep. And it's helping to diversify our tourism product. We obviously know the beach is our number one draw and asset, but um, it's time that we also look at um, what else are we going to be known for, but also fits in, in line with who we are as a community. And ecotourism is a priority here. Uh, The preserving and um, maintaining that high quality of life Um, is recreational activities and it's a priority for the region and the state.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, We had a The new Flagler Beach city manager Dale Martin on a week ago or so, and he was talking about how it's going to be craziness on Flagler Beach with the construction of the hotel and the pier and all the people and blah blah. blah. And then our uh, city councilwoman Teresa Pontieri said, "Hey, how about Palm Coast? We annex Malacompura. We're going to talk with here coming up next on why doesn't Palm Coast have its own beach?" Dave Sullivan, I'm surprising you.
3: Yeah. Well, no. we've been talking about that the last couple of days, but I I want to point out that one person's been critical in this whole bridge thing was Faith Akatib, our engineer. If anything, we could call it the Faith Bridge uh, because she was critical in in seeing this through over the years. And so I want to make sure of that. And as far as Flagler Beach goes, I think this will help Flagler Beach because it'll give people a little bit place to stop first before they hit the beach. It may cut down the a little bit a shuttle to the, to the
4: do. beach
5: yeah yeah right. like that we okay. got to take
0: a break we'll be right back see this <laughs> for your home. Never needs gas, no moving parts, and as quiet as a church mouse. Hurricane, or power outage headed our way? No worries now. It's a solar generator for your home that works day and night and pays for itself through energy savings and tax credits. Hi folks, this is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. We're your Tesla certified power wall installer and the future is here. Give us a call today for all the details. 445-7606. SolarFit your life and
3: set yourself free with the sun's free energy.
0: You know what I like
3: about people who drive Mercedes they have an appreciation for quality. Hi, I'm Andy from Auto House of Palm Coast. If it has anything to do with Mercedes Benz, we can do it. From maintenance and basic services to major repairs. If you or somebody you know owns a Mercedes Benz, I would love for you to be my customer. I'm Andy. I'm in the Hardgrove Lane Industrial Park. You'll find me, everybody else has, or call me anytime. 585
0: 4785. Auto House Palm Coast. 9:55. We got just a few minutes to go, but um, we're talking about tourism. Talked about AI. You can listen to the podcast on today's show and past shows with all our different topics here. We do have a lot of podcast listeners to all of our shows here at the Flagler Radio mobile app. Um, but the beaches, obviously, um, Amy Lukasik, our tourism director, is the big lightning rod uh, for Flagler County, and um, Flagler Beach seems to be where. You know, it, it's that's kind of the the focal point of it. For the most part, that's where the restaurants are and everything else. Um, at the last city council meeting, Teresa Pontieri, our councilwoman, brought up um, um, about well, here we we have Palm Coast and Palm Coast has no beach. Is that right, Teresa?
5: Hey, good morning. Yes, that is absolutely right.
0: And you and you you kind of uh, you threw it out there. and the reactions from other uh, councilmen and that were kind of uh, what what is she thinking and everything. So tell us. We're giving you some time to to tell, sorry. Now, what were you thinking and why would it be important for Palm Coast to annex Malacampra Beach?
5: So, yeah, I appreciate a few minutes here. Um, You know, the idea is a forward-thinking idea and concept. It's not something that I anticipate will happen tomorrow by any means. But I, I don't really think that people understand the gravity of the situation that Flagler Beach is facing, not only now but over the next three to five years. As Palm Coast continues to grow and as the county continues to grow, and this was expressed, you know, during the multi-municipality meeting uh, last night or two nights ago. So, you know, I just think it's really important that people understand that Flagler Beach has said that they will go to paid parking inevitably in the future. Um, they're losing more and more shoreline every time we have a natural disaster. So we really need to figure out a way to, I think, bring locals from Flagler Beach over to some of our other beach parks. And being that Palm Coast has 97,000 out of the 130,000 residents in the county, to me it makes sense that we be able to have some shoreline that, we control and can maintain and can absolutely improve what is a beautiful piece of the beach.
0: So what would be the advantage to taxpayers, county, city, um, everybody to annex it and make it part of the city of Palm Coast? What would make it better? Because it's there already.
5: It obviously, yeah, it is there already. Um, I, you know, I'd like to see the amenities approved. And right now, Palm Coast just doesn't have a seat at that table. We're, we're at the mercy, for lack of a better phrase, of other governmental um, you know, units right now, because we don't have any say or any really vote, so to speak, as to how our shoreline is improved, maintained, et cetera. So like Bay Drive was improved. We didn't really, we didn't have any say in that. Um, You know, so I would just like for Palm Coast to be able to really have a seat at the table as to improvement and maintenance of our beach parks. And I think Malacompra is a really good opportunity for that.
0: All right. Well, we have a county commissioner here, Dave Sullivan. You've listened to uh, Councilwoman Pontieri. What are you thinking?
3: Well, uh, this also came up the other night when we had our meeting with uh, Flagler Beach and the city mayors and the, the county about uh, crowding at Flagler Beach. So it's all part of the same thing. I'll just point out there are six beaches uh, that the mm-hmm. county runs along the coast, um, and those they have full access from anybody in the county or tourists, w- whatever. Uh, there, there's always some some questions. Uh, We've spent an awful lot of money maintaining our beach over the last, I I think, the other day, once the Army program gets done, we will have spent, since Matthew, $100 million between A1A and the beaches, keeping them open. We just built Bay Drive Beach, which has nice facilities. Uh, We're finishing up the the sewer program and water program out there in that area. So I don't think uh, the city is ready yet, according to the mayor, who was sitting next to me uh, the other night is really put together a plan for what they would do. I think it's a concept for the future, but it's a long way off. And I think we'd have to see, well, what, what improvements are we talking about beyond what we're doing now with, uh, with the state and federal government on improving our beaches? So I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I think it's, um, I, I think access to the beaches is full right now. There is no requirement for people to do anything except go over there and go to the beach right now. Uh, With and we have six beaches along the coast that they can use.
1: Brian, I wonder if uh, are you are you are you saying um, Teresa that maybe this would be willing to contribute more funding to improve some amenities because I bet the county would accept that even if it wasn't annexed.
5: Well, I'm sure they would. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I I agree with Commissioner Sullivan um, when he says that this is a concept and it's something that would possibly happen in the future because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look ahead and I'm just trying to plan for what is an inevitable situation that we're going to find ourselves in as a county and the city of Blumber Beach is already finding itself in right now as a city. Um, you know, and, and I, as I said the other night during the multi-municipality meeting, this is only one option. You know, there's other mechanisms that can that where we can achieve the same end goal, where maybe we enter into some type of joint ownership, or you know, I, I begrudgingly say interlocal agreement, to be quite frank, because our taxpayers really do pay a lot of money towards the county for multiple services, and and I would hate to see us just put forth a lot of money for Malacompro without, you know, really any kind of ownership interest in it, any vested interest other than just being able to go. So, you know, my, my thought is really uh, multifaceted to kind of solve a lot of problems in the future, but I'm really open-minded to whatever mechanism we can use to accomplish that and hope that the city and the County can work together to with with the city of Flagler Beach to address these problems.
0: So if Palm Coast uh, has its own beach and it really, it's their shining, it's like their only child, and they're giving everything to it and making it just a <laughs> super place and putting the money into it, would that be good for Amy and our tourism department?
2: Well, uh, visitors, they don't know where they're, if, if, you know, they don't care, county lines, city lines. Um, they just look for you know, a safe and uh, amenities, be able to park, use the bathroom, that sort of thing. But um, as I mentioned earlier, um, 20% of our bed tax revenue goes to to beach renourishment. And so just another um, food for thought for folks, because historically we've, that money has, you know, for lack of a better word, has just paid for sand. And so if there's a way that um, those funds can be relieved from, paying for sand and sometimes just literally watching it wash out to shore again those funds and other communities are are used to enhance and improve beach parks so if we are able to to figure out how to get long-term funding for sand then how nice would it be that the visitors are paying to enhance and improve our our beach parks. And so then that way it doesn't lie on the backs of any local residents. It is completely funded by visitors. And that fund right now um, is is getting close to a million dollars a year. So, that, that is an option that I think should be looked at and we should strive for instead of maybe using always for sand.
0: Okay, we gotta wrap it up, Dave Sullivan. Just, just
3: quickly, uh, one, one other option about this thing about Palm Coast taking over the beach, it would also include some peop- residents along Malacampa Road. Well, those residents have a say in this too, and I'm not so sure they'll be thrilled about increasing their tax bills, so all of a sudden they'll be paying taxes into palm coast which they're not now so there are a lot of issues that would have to come forward and i think uh, most of all we want to make sure that people are taking advantage of our beaches there are no restrictions i say again no restrictions on anybody living in palm coast to go to the beach uh right right now so i don't think see right now how this would improve things very much
0: councilwoman teresa pontieri you get the final word here
5: so thanks for giving me a few minutes again and I'm, I'm happy to talk to Amy and Commissioner Sullivan and anybody else um, more at length about this. And I agree, you know, nothing is keeping Palm Coast residents from going to Malacombra now. Unfortunately, I don't think it's, it's really being optimized as far as its utilization. And maybe that's just a lack of marketing on our part as the city and also as the county. Um, but you know, on the flip side, if Palm Coast owned it, it wouldn't prevent anybody from the county unincorporated also visiting. And I, and I think the nuts and the bolts of this situation can be worked out as far as those residents are concerned. And as I've stated several times, I don't want to leave anybody out of this conversation. I want to include all stakeholders and make sure that this is a very well-rounded solution to what, like I said, is an inevitable issue that the beaches are facing.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Teresa. Appreciate you being our councilwoman and uh, being on Free for All Friday, and uh, have thank a great weekend. All right. Go on out you to the well. be- go out to the beach. Put your sunscreen on
5: that's
0: right okay take care bye-bye all right uh, Teresa Pontieri and it's a it's a concept you know usually when you throw it's like a frisbee you throw up in the air and it's wobbling and everybody kind of looks at it like wow what what is that but but I like it when people throw concepts out there and you shoot them down or you know see if it has any uh, legs to it or whatever I think it's healthy
1: I agree I feel like whatever happens with it I mean I think that uh, the the desires of let's try to make the community a better place. That's what we're all talking about here. and everyone's got a different idea and, and whatever but I mean, I don't know, it's just it's just a great community. There's a lot of people who want to see, things get better and improve and and uh i think it's worth talking about all the ideas until we come up come up with what there's a consensus to do all right uh final that was your final word. That, that was my final i think that right. yeah i feel, fine. I feel fine about that
0: and i'm way over time here so we <laughs> anyway but uh dave Sullivan, final words
3: okay the opening of the bridge the pedestrian bridge this coming tuesday three o'clock be there
0: all right. Can we walk over it? Do we bring our walking shoes? How do we dress? What's yeah. the deal?
3: Well, yes, you can walk over. The, the ceremony will take place, I believe, on the southern side uh, of the bridge, and then we'll be able to walk down that brand-new trail that leads up to the Lehigh Trail. So this,
1: this email says 3.30. Is it 3 or 3.30? 3,
3: I think 3 o'clock to start getting the transportation. Okay, gotcha. And then 3.30 for the program. It's going to take get a while. There, get there early. It's going to take a yeah. while to get people uh, you get, get there at three
0: for all the free food and, and beer and <laughs> well, wine got, and well, stuff. <laughs> right?
3: Parking's limited, so read the, uh, the, the flyer on it.
0: Amy Lakasik, thank you for what you do for our county and tourism and hotels and restaurants and staying on top of it all here. So, final words from you.
2: Uh, well, Flyer County makes it very easy to do our job, but, um, and we, I think, Commissioner, too, one thing we didn't say is. Uh, with regard to the to the bridge a little bit, but also the center is that uh, none of this funding comes from our local our ro- uh, local residents. It's all um, um, either the bed tax or federal and state funding.
0: All right. So when you see on these uh, chat things where oh they build a 13 million dollar bridge and I don't have street lights in front of my house, diff-
2: yeah. Different. If we if we didn't get it, it would go to another community. So
0: all right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Sheldon Jacobson from uh, University of Illinois and AI and all that. Listen to the podcast here on WNZF, FlaglerRadio.com. Oh, and tonight, the Potato Bowl, live right here, play by play. Phone ringing, dog barking at the mailman, bringing that stack
4: of bills over to Good morning, baby, how are you? Serving Flagler County for over a decade. WNZF, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM, and W235 CW Bennell.